Hi everyone, um, I'm Bria Bloom. And I'm David Hakobo. I am the Executive Director at the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. Put that one together, it sounds a little weird. <laughs> um, and I work with PDX Flying Squads along with David. And I have a kid here in Portland, Oregon. And I think I'll stop there. It's hard to do a short <laughs> introduction of oneself. I am also the executive director. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I am, um, I am part of the Village Free School here in Portland, Oregon. And I do PDX Flying Squads with Bria. I'm also a working musician and aspiring poet. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. love those words. In, uh, <laughs> here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, this is our first episode, so I hope you enjoy. Oh, and our name is probably going to be... Yeah, our working title for this podcast is Rethinking Self-Directed Education, or SDE for short. It might change to Self-Directed Squirrel, or Self-Directed <laughs> Iguana. Um, Depending on Innovation our for the future. No innovation for the future. <laughs> we are not about that life. We're not about innovating anything. <laughs> Um, you posted to de-school ourselves is to truly decolonize ourselves. Schools are the first places where we learn untruths about ourselves, where we question our abilities because we're being constantly graded and compared, where we let someone else dictate our worth, where we learn untruths about our histories under the colonizer's lens. And Dang, then, that sounded a lot more than I thought I wrote. I know, it's funny to hear it out loud. Um, and then I was like, yeah, but what about parents? I would add that our parents and families are the first places, or often the places we first learn untruths about ourselves. Often even before school, it's the first place we're either toward, told to conform and submit to authority or, or are accepted as our own person and then schools add to that message. Why is it so much harder for me to read my words than read your words? I think because you, you think a certain way when you write. Mm -hmm. When you put it, it's like transferring it into speech is a, is a whole other level. I gotta have my um. cookie now. Whoa, <laughs> grabbing my cookie really spiked the... I'm gonna wait. <laughs> and then I was like, we're still talking and thinking and arguing. Parents have to cater to and survive under capitalism, and therefore schools, which is what has an impact on how we treat our children. It becomes a chicken and egg discussion. We're gonna talk more and share our thoughts like this. Um, what do you all think? Most people just agreed like general yeah. agreement so I, far well I mean I think that's the part about the chicken or the egg thing is that um, for me what I was thinking about that was that sure yeah our parents are our first people who educate us like I was thinking of like um, what were you saying what was that podcast from um, Fair the Free Child is that how you call it the, yeah that's uh, what the podcast is called okay but it was like you know the primary educator is a parent. Oh, yeah, Anthony Galloway had a snippet in there that was like the primary educator is always the parent. And he was saying actually that even if you go into like an SDE school or a more like um, a school that recognizes children's rights, which would be an SDE place, even if you go there, if it's not happening at home, like the at home systems and authoritarian way of managing is gonna override any freedom they experience at their secondary 
community and mm-hmm. with their secondary teachers because you can't like really live that if like at home is counteracting it right right yeah it's, it's like also the trust like the kid is mostly going to trust the parent first and then you know um so i was thinking about that like in terms of which oh, okay so tangent um obviously this has happened where i work where like if we don't see in some way eye to eye with the parents, the kid is going to struggle where we're at. And it's always like this thing is like, well, why isn't this place working? And it's like for us, and it's like, well, you know what we say? It's like it takes community, but it's just like, yeah, of course it's not working because the kid is going to take you and your anxiety or your, like, I don't want to put all the blame, but it, like, it's going to influence most of it. And when they come here, they're going to, if they feel pressured or coerced at home or if they feel like in any way like they have to fulfill any kind of duty mm-hmm. when they get here to the SCE center away from that they're going to maybe act out the things they couldn't do at home and this includes things like you know being on your screen all the time and, and uh or like running up and down the walls of like the the place you know just taking out all your energy and so it becomes hard to really figure out what to do in that sense instance and people and the kids are like maybe annoyed at that other kid that's doing that because they're like what's going on like why do you have to be so uh so full of energy i guess and it just always comes down to the fact it's because they don't have that opportunity at home right um but um but like, okay, so back to the... Wait, can I add on to yeah, that? The other thing is that like, if your parents aren't de-schooling and if they're still giving you those messages of like, it's important that you learn this thing. It's important that you function in this way. If you just play all day, it's not good enough. Like you're not, you're not good at academics. You're not smart enough. You're not learning the way you're supposed to. If you hear those messages at home, the kids come in and they like bring that. Mm-hmm. They're like, I've had so many kids who will tell me, oh, I'm not good at math, or, oh, I need to work harder on reading because, it, it, like, I'm inadequate in some way is the underlying message. Because if you're hearing that at home, it doesn't matter how much you hear it. The other thing, right. <laughs> an SDE space or from other trusted adults, like, you internalize that message from your parents, and then you have this conflict of what you need and want to do in the space and what you think you're supposed to need and want to do and it's just like this huge internal conflict for those kids and like whoever the facilitator is yeah might be encouraging you to think otherwise but they're also kind of like dealing with other kids or other situations at the same time you're only one person around like right several other kids and it's like you you there's no way you can replace the parent in that in that way yeah well and they trust their parents so much Mm -hmm. um Okay, so the the reason I feel like, you know, I think that's very true. Like, the primary parent is going to have the first say in, like, where we first maybe colonize or, like, bring it. What was the thing I said? Like, bringing colonization. Teach us that. untruths about ourselves. Yeah, teach us untruths. And I, the only reason I, I say it's like, well, I think it's school. It's because school has taught our parents, has taught their parents, has taught their parents mm. up to a certain point. And whatever your ancestral roots are, that's why I say you got to look at your ancestors to how right. they did things. Um, because that's where the, 
that's where the actual truth is, like where the honoring of the kid comes from. Like maybe, you know, maybe not in the way we see it right now, but like definitely a lot more honorable to the kid and to the, to the play and to play and to, and to choice. Um, so like, for instance, like I, a little story I like to point out is that my, when I was explaining SDE to my parents, my, I'll tell you, my mom was born into a very Protestant household, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of school, like a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the family members went on to either do preaching or, um, or, or, or school, um, teacher, teacher type stuff, you know, mm -hmm. working in schools, which is actually not very divided over there, um, in Guatemala. So let's just give you context. Um, you know, church and church and school kind of goes hand in hand mm. a lot. So if you're teaching in church, you're teaching in school, whatever. Yeah. Over here is a lot more separated, or at least we think so. Um, <laughs> we have laws about it. Yeah. But but it, but my dad, on the other hand, was not raised at all in like a very schoolish environment. He was born and raised in like a, a rancho, like this like this like farming thing where like he. School was a thing you did to, to to sort of get out of where you're from. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't a part of your life. It was like you you worked at, you know, taking mending, taking care of chickens, you know, with the donkey or whatever. There's just stories of him being, I don't know what the what the equivalent of a rancho is in English. I forgot. Is it? It's not a ranch. It is. It is, but it's like it's it's farmstead? farm farmstead. I don't know. Homestead. It's it's well. The whole point is that his life was much more associated with like surviving in that kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. he didn't live with light. There was no electricity where he lived. It was all very like, uh, mm. uh very very, <laughs> um, rural. That's what I want to say. Right. Rural. So, you know whatever they sold they got anything they got extra was sold out so they can get some money but really they survived out of their own whatever they from their own animals and livestock and, and mm -hmm. things like that but okay so explaining that to my parents what SCE meant I was like imagine you're um, imagine you as a child like unlimited play like where do you learn the skills you know you learn it through play you like who are the people you learn from you learn it from the adults that are like doing things and they sort of show you and I think my mom was more like well what happens with the grades like what right. happens with like um um sort of what happens if they do something wrong and and like you know I was like trying to tell them, we're trying to like remove all that just make sure that the kid feels safe to do what they like and and what they're good at and my dad's like oh yeah, yeah I, I totally get it you play you, you and if you fall you get up and then you learn something and then you go on you go on your way and it was just like <laughs> for him he was like so like in tune which is self-directed learning not through any political or philosophical lens that we have but just through life that he could just like that's his life has been his life this whole time it's like I think for him, schooling and, and society in that way was removed from him. So mm -hmm. I see this confidence in him to be like, oh, I can do this. I can try and learn this thing, whatever. And I see him not have a lot of like doubt, self-doubt about right. his abilities. And I think that has a lot to do with how he grew up. There was nobody imposing any sort of curriculum, any sort of, they were not like 
a time limit or 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 you know this is what you should learn it was already there mm -hmm. you could see that this you depended on your survival this depended on your survival to learn these skills and he did it and then whatever else he was like just playing guitar but my mom was very much different it was like anyway it probably went on too long but the whole point is that it was it was harder to tell my mom about this who had been raised in a schooling environment and much easier and actually didn't even really had to go into any detail with my dad because he just sort of got it and that's what i meant by the chicken and the egg thing it's like in many ways i'm you know it's like i think i learned that from my dad a little bit just like well you just do it you know you just get on the bike and do it and then if you fall you figure it out and there's always like a schoolish mentality always has makes you have steps Right. That you have to complete. Okay. Like, I remember it's like, you got to put your helmet on. You got to, obviously, safety is important. You know, you got to make sure that the, the thing's off. And then, okay, now you can get on the bike. And it's like, and the way my dad taught me is like, all right, you get on the bike and you push yourself and it'll hold you in the back. And then I'll let go when I feel like you're ready. And, and that's it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And when I, I learned how to do it in circles. Anyway, tangent over, but yeah. So I guess what you're saying, well, no, not what you're saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is that the parent can either be that person mm -hmm. who's your first introduction into autonomy and building your sense of self and trust and reciprocal relationships and all of that, or they can be agents of the systems. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a choice there, whereas going to a conventional school there's no choice there. It is an agent of the system mm. that's going to force you to conform regardless. But a lot of families are your first agents of the system. Right. But you, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. um, who said, oh, I wish I could remember this thing that someone said. By the way, I finished my cookie. I wanted your cookie really bad. Um, <laughs> I should have asked. No, it's fine. I would have asked. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I wish I ha I wrote it down because it was so important. Like parents are forced into this role because we're so scared about surviving in society, in capitalist society especially, that we're forced into this role of being the enforcer of the hierarchy and the enforcer of authority. It is really interesting. I, I You just reminded me. I don't know. It's like I have friends growing up and, you know, before they had kids and now they have kids. And it's almost like when you become a parent, you do, you, you switch. You're like, now this person has to enforce these mm -hmm. things. And it's so interesting to see, see these people who are like, you think of as so laid back and then all of a sudden it just they get angry at their kid or whatever and they turn into this enforcer authoritarian and it's like but it's also due to a lot of anxiety obviously you know need to like I need to teach my kids how to survive in this world mm -hmm. and if I don't you know this is how you do it this is how people do it this is what society tells me I have to do so yeah it looks ugly but I don't want to yell at my kid. I love my kid, but I got to make sure that they know what the boundaries are or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, that article from the, like, No Against Adult Supremacy Anthology, it's called Parenting is a Conflict of Interest. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a non-parent writing it, which is legitimate. And they're like, 
the minute you become a parent, it's a conflict of interest to be invested in child children's rights because suddenly you have this like vested interest in this person, which is a conflict of interest with wanting to push for their rights outside of that, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. They describe it a lot better, but it, and like <laughs> kids push our buttons better than anyone else because they know us so well and they're honest communicating beings before we like crush that mm -hmm. so i think some parenting anxiety is just like holy shit i have to face myself mm. more than i've ever had to face myself before because this person in here is bringing out all my trauma all my issues all my like tension and i actually have to face it and go through it so that i don't put it on them so i think there's multiple things at work you make me not want to have kids, you know. It's like, <laughs> this is like a face I mean, trauma. I'm looking at a it's therapist. fucking hard and it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Is the thing. But I appreciate both sides. I appreciate the people who don't have kids and can be like, "Hey, I don't have that conflict of interest of being like so worried mm -hmm. about this person succeeding in society." Yeah. But I also appreciate the parents who really know what it's like to have that little human pushing everything they are take you know have therapy first and then have kids maybe therapy um, for yeah, well <laughs> face yourself first in therapy a little bit so you, you're not cut off guard when you have kids did you see that thing about like how we recommend therapy for too many things because we're ignoring the bullshit society puts us oh, through yeah, and yes, saying yes. like you gotta heal yourself but you can only heal yourself so much if you still have to live in this toxic society yeah it's almost like the other the other side the extreme version of self like self-realization self-help it's like where there's like okay there's all these resources for you to help yourself figure out your shit and then like you know we ignore the fact that it's not us right it's like the rest of society it's like wait wait hold up I know I have all these issues, but have you seen what's going on around me? Right. It's bound to make anybody go a little... It's just you know, a coping mechanism. This is, what I'm doing is might be the most healthy thing I can do right now because it's considering what I'm, what I'm facing with. Yeah. Um, no, but it's interesting because there was another comment that in that post, I, I think one of the posts that you said, uh, someone had commented about, you know, we need to... Um, condition kids to figure out how to live in the society and I think that's the, the sort of like what, one of the comments I said it's like you know I was uh, I was spanked and beat as a child mm -hmm. and it's part of the like a lot of Latinx culture that a lot of people are finally like a lot of kids a lot of millennials a lot of people in, in our culture and it expands a lot you know obviously but are like questioning it's like it's called the chancla culture which is mm -hmm. like you know we make fun of the fact that our moms threw chanclas at us when we did something wrong you know wait what's a chancla chancla is a, is a sandal it's like one of those things oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know and the belt thing you know and it's always been a thing within the culture to be like well i was you know i was hit at the belt and i turned out all right and mm -hmm. it's like yeah i turned out all right but have you realized that maybe you have like some unlike unearthed trauma from that from like there is certainly when I hear about I get triggered <laughs> like I hear like I hear someone put on a belt and you have a certain you know, sound. when they put a belt on yeah so yeah. so it's like yeah that's that's PTSD right mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. so um 
but but obviously you know people can agree that um a lot of people agree that hitting kids is wrong but that's the thing it's the same sort of vein it's like why do we have to condition kids to live in a exploitative system why do we have to like exploit them or or better yet like i think the 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 comment was saying you know we need to we need to teach them how to so the, the whole point is that for, for us, school is coercion. And for them, it was like, you know, it's okay, because otherwise, how are they going to learn how to live in a society that's coercive? So it's like, the thinking is like, so we have to coerce kids in order for them to learn that coercion is wrong. It's like... Yeah, I mean, I've heard that exact argument in a way, in like a way more common phrasing is uh-huh. like how are kids how are people going to learn how to do things they don't want to do unless we make them do things they don't want to do that's the question i'm used to answering but this like society is toxic and if you don't show them the toxic early they won't know how to function and toxicity is strange and new to me i guess engaging in toxic behaviors again like what the killer s richards quote can't use tools of oppression to and expect to raise free people. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think the argument is that we shouldn't raise free people. I think that's what the argument was. If we raise free people, they won't be able to function in a society that's oppressing them. Wasn't yeah. that the argument? Yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting way to really, I don't know, when you put it that way, it's like, why are we doing anything? <laughs> right, it makes me feel really nihilist. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a pessimistic... A point of view that um, um, you can—I don't know. It's just—it's I, and that's what society. Um, if you back away from the microphone, um, yeah, and that's how society feels like. It feels like it makes us—it makes us very nihilistic, at least in the in the classical or not classical, but just the popular word sense of the word nihilism. <laughs> well, remember, who asked? What are we doing this for? Someone asked, what are we doing this for? And I don't remember who, but then I asked you and Neil, mm-hmm. what are we even doing this for? What's the goal? What, what, what to pertain to what? Like self-directed education, mm-hmm. unschooling, I think, but liberation work overall. Like is the ultimate goal to change society? And like, that's a great ultimate goal. And I'd love for that to happen, but like, for me, I think the goals I can see is like, I keep saying like, for me, the goals I can see is every human whose life is better or at least less traumatic, less controlling. Mm-hmm. And like every human we can reach and help or support in having a more free experience, mm-hmm. I guess. Freedom is a weird word for it, but um and share that with and like those are the small steps for me so if it's an sde center it means you have 20 kids or mm-hmm. 20 kids plus who aren't experiencing the trauma and coercion of conventional school then you're reaching 20 kids and that those are the goals i can see right now and that's what keeps me going when i'm like society's never going to change <laughs> how the hell do i do this right so it's always so like daunting to think about the big like the big macro and then forget about those little steps and those little, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the, the relationships you build with, like, kids who, where they actually feel really safe or, you know, yeah. feel hurt. It's like, this would never, ever happen in a, 
in a conventional school, as a person who's working in a conventional school, it's like, I think that's the thing is that I'm reminded, I'm reminded about how a lot of, I would talk to staff members at, at like this elementary school I would work for. And, you know, it's, it's similar to what we've already talked about, but they're like, you know, but yeah, but if I let them do whatever they want, they're going to literally tear the place apart. And I'm like, Lord of the flies. Yeah. And, and, Fuck and, that and, guy. And well, no, but, but, but in a way they're right because the kids are so oppressed. They're so controlled. They're so they controlled. They don't know what it's like anymore. So that they're, that they're like, that is sort of what they do to liberate themselves. It's like, oh, I don't have to deal with these like coloring pages or these books anymore. I actually kind of want to destroy these. Like there's like a, a mm-hmm. what do you call it? It's a, it's, it's, it's. I forgot the word it's you know but um yeah so in a way they're they're kind of right but that, that just means that the the, the 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 system is wrong I don't know it's yeah. like think of the reason why we like uh why mass protests or when something really fucked up happens like sometimes you know you there are riots and it's not it's not it's 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 because people are so fed it's up like pain and action uh-huh yeah it's a form of protest. It's a form of like taking back. Is by, you know, destruction. It's also a form of anger, and it's also legitimate if you know you feel like you've been oppressed, and so that's why when I heard like teachers say that or, or staff members is like, I tried to say like, well, you know, you can find ways to like you know give them more choice, but I was thinking it's like, what's the point of like making SDE light? Might as well just make it whole SDE. And well, it's just going to become self-fulfilling prophecy because if you don't give them enough choice, it's going to look like they can't control themselves because mm-hmm. they're still being oppressed and they're still like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Pushing back on it and then people use that as a reason to take rights away. Like, you're not handling your responsibility very well. I'm going to take that away from you. I think, you know, I'm also, I'm also thought, I was also thinking about how people are like, maybe think we're too radical um, for... Who's think, we? You know, we, whoever in the SD who, like, call out school. Like, I'm thinking of, like, I'm, I'm just more vehemently, like... Like anti- attacking school uh, is actually, too radical. You yeah. have to lead with love and care words yeah. instead of, like, attack words. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because I do have a lot of teachers, a lot of friends as teachers who are in the school system, and I really love them. And, um, but I'm like finding myself vehemently more like, like anti-school, like attacking it, like really directing it. And it's because I think I, I've been on the inside to know how mm-hmm. teachers talk about kids. Like if parents knew how teachers really talked about kids, I wonder if they would be willing to send their kids to school. There's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I should name this like Instagram pages. I literally like makes my blood boil it's called teacher misery uh-huh <laughs> and it's all just it's a, just anti-child it's it's all about like how much the child is 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 you know they make fun of children on there they like post their their homework up on there and and um they you know maybe they protect the child's identity because they're you know that would be legally wrong but i wonder if they would it's just they they talk so much shit about children and like there was this one TikTok that was shared on there. It was like, you know, I give my... They said, experts say that you should give children choice, a choice, you know. Well, I give them a choice, you know. I tell them if 
they have a choice of either finishing their work here or during recess. And it's like, oh, and God, and there are like hundreds of comments and I'm looking, trying to see if there's anybody who's actually questioning this. And it's all these like, oh, yep, that's us. Yeah, that's teachers. You know, it's like we get to deal with all the bullshit and stuff. And then like all these like teachers agree with this sentiment. And it's like, it's like, what? It's like, I, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted by how much support there is for this like thinking. And it's like, and if you, if you open it up wider, of course, it's because teachers are also in many ways oppressed, exploited by the system. But it's just like this. It's it's a it's it, it just goes. It trickles down. Oppression trickles yeah. down. It's almost like <laughs> wealth doesn't trickle down. Oppression, <laughs> oppression does. Oppression definitely does. Well, there's the whole. You, they're taking the whole weight of the oppressive system and blaming kids for it. Yeah. They're like, you are the reason I'm miserable because mm-hmm. you misbehave or act out or don't listen. Where really the system that's like oppressing and controlling the teachers and the kids are the mm-hmm. reason they're miserable. Mm-hmm. But it's easier to blame kids because we have this, like, society, societal accepted belief that kids are immature, rude, like, whiny, act Mm -hmm. out, stubborn. Like, we just have that mass accepted consciousness, which is totally, I mean, I think it's totally false. There's, like, there's got to be a word for it, right? You, You, like, blame kids for a lot of, you hate kids. But you also are completely jealous of kids because if you remember how your mm-hmm. childhood was, you're like, oh, I was so free and things and then I don't have to deal with this shit. It's like, so you hate kids, you call them lazy, you call them immature, but you wish you were a kid. Yep. <laughs> you know? So. We're just creating it. Anyone who knows kids who have been like, haven't had their rights to autonomy taken away and are treated with respect and partnership and communicated with and all of that. Anyone who knows those kids knows that kids are not inherently like immature and whiny and stubborn and all those things we put on them, but people don't know those kids and somehow they don't believe the rest of us Mm -hmm. that they exist. Where they're like, oh, your kid might be like that, but my kid could never be like that because mm -hmm. of X and X and X. Yeah. Should we... Are we doing like the question thing? Like if someone phones in, if someone <laughs> phones, like, sends in voicemail via payphone, rotary phone, right? Should we say that? Yeah, we should. Say are we that. wrapping up? I don't know. Are we? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought we should say that. Should Any file, final should thoughts? Say it at the end. I mean, I have so many thoughts. And say I a thought. All of them. I don't remember any thoughts. Um. about being anti-school oh I guess my question is and I don't think we have to have answers but I'd love to talk about this more um, maybe in the future but how do we change perceptions of kids like people's perceptions and I don't have the teacher lens I don't Mm -hmm. I try not to talk to teachers um, in those systems and I never was one in those systems so I don't have I you were no you, you were completely unschooled. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I worked in preschool, but it was a different. Mm-hmm. It's a different environment. It was very play based. So how do you change perspectives? How do you change perspectives, especially of the people who are working with these kids, and like they can't actually 
um, I don't want to say give enough freedom, but change their constraints enough for the kids to really change their behavior. Right. They're, they're caught They're It's like, a um, well, I forgot the word. It's good to catch 20 to catch 22. Yeah. And it's like, um, they don't have the freedom to also give kids choices. Not only that, their own survival is dependent on being that person. Right. On being that teacher. Cause I was talking to someone who, um, a teacher friend for a long time and we used to get in these huge arguments like we used to get <laughs> mad at each other actually i think they got mad more at me um that sounds about right <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm very argumentative um but um to a fault i try not to um but but the whole point is that you know after a while we stopped talking about this because we realized it was like not worth it for our friendship mm-hmm but um, lately we talked about it again. It just came out, and they're like, "I totally agree with you." And yeah, my survival is dependent on being here, and right. I just don't know what to do. Right. Like I'm, I'm at a, I'm at a point where I don't know where I'm gonna go with this. Like, and and you see that, like, like I'm happy for those people who work in conventional schools that can see this, mm-hmm. see the, just how fucked up it is inside mm-hmm. and but and want to do something but i feel for them too because they're like they feel like they don't really got a choice and it's just like it's 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 weird because you want people like that to be like come out of that and and help you know change this worldview because those are the kind of people that you know they, they did it because they love kids right and, and there are a lot of ex teachers mm-hmm. previous teachers in SDE so it's very clear right that that happens it's almost like it's harder for I can't you know it's really easy to tell a cop to quit their job because you know they should just become like you know crap trash collectors or whatever it's like something, <laughs> something actually honorable to society rather than <laughs> yeah. like being a cop but but with teachers is like no we we actually want your um your sense of of uh, you know empathy or your love of kids we actually that's I, I want to work with you because I think you actually want to honor kids. Yeah. But I understand that, you know, you're going to lose all those perks. <laughs> you know, it's like the teachers union is so powerful. You got, mm-hmm. I, when I left and I was not a teacher, I was a, I was um, more of an assistant, a para. Um, but I still left a good, a really good uh, health, health, um, benefits some health benefits right. and I was like and so I had to really like okay I gotta get my classes fixed and so before I left and stuff but <laughs> it's just amazing not that I'm not saying yeah uh, but the, the whole point is like it's just there's so much there and it's almost like I don't know maybe they need more health benefits because their job is so hard <laughs> so stressful they actually the amount of pain somatic and whatever but yeah yeah anyway. i mean i don't think anyone doesn't deserve those things it's no. just you leave teaching and well except cops yeah well <laughs> it, yeah <laughs> you leave teaching and it where where are you gonna go even right. if you get a completely different job you're still buying into a system and being part of a system so right. is there any ethical job <laughs> under capitalism that's a whole other topic, but right, right. Like I, I got some lucky. I love the mass movement of teachers leaving, but then where do we have the money to even build tons of SDE centers? And I think that's what? another thing. Like maybe another discussion too. It's like, what, 
like what can we do that's different as people in SDE centers to encourage others to come out of it so they mm-hmm. have a place to go um, like I don't know uh, yeah I, I want to see a mass movement out of schools mm-hmm. it would be great but how do we how do we facilitate that too right and I think a lot of us at least where I work I, I we're finally getting to the point where we're like let's try to actually be sustainable and like mm-hmm. and have like get paid well enough so we can don't feel like we also have to move on because we're, we're not we're paid shit but like it's not any fault of anybody it's just the we resource have, allocation res- yeah and we don't have any government funds or state funds helping us it's all us so but yeah it's like I think what we need to do is like have a big discussion around all the SD centers like how do we make ourselves sustainable but also like encourage others to come and like you can come and, and do this too like I don't know system or yeah call to action whatever <laughs> yeah there's like a thousand other things we could talk about, but let's <laughs> put them on the back burner. Yeah. Um, I think we asked more questions than gave answers, which is probably our way. I didn't know you we were answering anything. No, I, I don't <laughs> think we ever are. Um, I just wanted coffee. <laughs> but if you have something to share, if you want to answer something we asked or add your perspective or if you just want to yell at us if you want to yell at us yeah. tell us we're wrong mm-hmm. we really want to put it on the next one <laughs> it all to us i really want to hear how you feel that we're really not good people that yeah. pie in the sky ideas fucking radicals too yeah. radical <laughs> whatever you want to say we will set up an option for you to send us a voice recording um or an email but yeah that will all be included. Just know that Briad reads things awkwardly out loud, so... What do you mean I read things oh, awkwardly Oh, no, sorry, out your, vo- your voice out I loud. only read my own stuff awkwardly I read, out loud. I read loud. things awkwardly out loud. No, I'm a one-take person, apparently. I just do one take and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so inaccurate. Okay, anything else? Uh, nope, this has been good. Cool. Bye! Bye!